This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! This is Love of the Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. That is your radio flagship home of America's team. Joined, as always, by Brian Broaddus. He is a former Super Bowl winning NFL scout. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday on uh, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. And you can also catch him as the pre- and post-game host, co-host, of uh the on the dallas cowboys radio network uh brian how you doing today doing well robert uh happy december man this year is flying by so that's what happens that's what happens you get through training camp you get through like the first month and then the next thing you know you're into december and you're talking about meaningful football games and there's a lot of teams uh playing meaningful football right now yeah, you know, it's funny. This uh this year you say this year's been blowing by. It's it's funny. I, I feel like we've made up for uh 2020 was about the slowest year on record. I, like like I mean that that felt like two years mixed in. And then I feel like because of that and our experiences in 2020, 2021 and 2022 have blown by. And right. it, it all totally, you know, 2020 felt like two years. These last two years have felt like six months each. So over the course of the time, it feels like three years total. So it works out well. Uh, Brian, I know you got a chance to watch these Indianapolis Colts a little bit. Uh, I've uh, I've got a chance to see a little bit of them. I saw a little bit more uh, in just some study I'd done a couple weeks ago uh, of the Frank Reich iteration. But I've seen a little bit of uh, the Jeff Saturday teams now. Uh, watch the most recent game. But let's go through some of your thoughts on this Colts team. First thing I want to touch on, because I think it's been a discussion point for a lot of people. Um, you know, we, we talk about how great Dallas's pass rush has been. And, you know, we hear the same line that the Colts pass protection is just about as bad as the Cowboys pass rush is good. Uh, are you seeing on tape that this is a, 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 an offensive line for Indianapolis that's as bad as the stats seem to say it is? Do you think it's more a, an issue of Matt Ryan holding onto the ball too long and, and that the offensive line maybe isn't quite as bad as it would appear on the surface, or, or how do you evaluate uh, the way the Colts protect up front? Yeah, I think there's been some times where Matt Ryan has held the ball. And, you know, if you watch what's happened, and I went back and did the the games 
under the Jeff Saturday administration because you have a fired offensive coordinator, you fired a head coach who was a primary play caller. So now you have a first time play caller. Uh, and so I'm, it was interested to see how that was all transpiring. I, to be honest with you, Bobby, the, the last three games as Jeff Saturday as a coach, I kind of felt like that maybe the Colts had a chance to win all three. Uh, they had a chance. Uh, clearly, they played very well against the Raiders uh, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, did a great job there. Uh, they they had Philadelphia on the ropes uh, in their game uh, a couple of weeks ago to the point where if they could have found any kind of offense there, they were able to get turnovers. Uh, they, they caused a turnover to start the, the second half uh, coming from behind. In Gakwe stacks uh, Jalen Hurts balls on the ground, balls now inside the twenty chance, but then you end up with a field goal. They miss a field goal. You know they they had some chances, and then you look what happened to them on Monday night against Pittsburgh. You know they were in that game, had a chance, gave up a lead. Uh, you know got in a situation where uh, they were. Uh, you know they they could have could have very well won that game if they managed the game at least got the thing to overtime. Uh, so I think when you look at the Colts and watch them play, the ball doesn't go down the field very much. The offense struggles to score points. Um, it's a very capable running game uh, with Jonathan Taylor as that running back. I you know he's five ten and a half. He's two hundred twenty five pounds. He's a load coming at you. Uh, he hasn't been clearly as productive as he was last year, but this is a team that's capable of, you know, they're capable because of the player. And I think the thing with Matt Ryan is you watch him play. And when he's had trouble, it's he's held the ball, he's held the ball. And that's resulted into a lot of sacks uh, because he's just, it's not that he's not sure. It's just that he doesn't want to put the ball into some harm's way I feel like they've got a couple of good, decent receivers when you talk about Michael Pittman. And then my, one of my favorites was Alec Pierce uh, from University of Cincinnati. Both these guys are tall, long kinds of players, but you don't see the ball go downfield a whole heck of a lot, you know, with these guys. Uh, you know, Paris Campbell's a kind of – everything is kind of underneath. Yeah. And, you know, so they're trying to get the ball out a lot quicker – I just have a feeling in this game against the Cowboys, I don't know. I say this every week. We talk about it every week. I don't know why you wouldn't come into a game plan and thinking, hey, we need to run the ball. Teams have seen what's happened when you're not capable of, of playing with balance. You know, you you get put in situations like what happened in Minnesota. They give up sacks and they give up pressure, and it turns out to be a loss. So – I think the Colts are going to come into this game. Jeff Satter is going to say, hey, we've got to run the football. We've got to try and test these guys. Now, where it's going to be up to is the Cowboys offense. Can you put this Colts defense on skates and then continually score and score and score and put pressure on the Colts offense to have to stay with you? I think this game is really going to be more about the Cowboys offense than it is their defense. Now, it's – you talk about how Jonathan Taylor is still a very productive runner, um, even though he's not quite up to uh, the the level of performance that we saw last year. 
we we can see the Indianapolis offense has struggled a great deal. I mean, and in large part, uh, the the offense and its struggles are, are why Frank Reich is no longer there, right? Um, because I mean, they they just they they can't score points. The defense, oddly enough, uh, for a team that fired their coach in the middle of the year, the defense is pretty solid. I feel like I, you know they 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 don't you know give up a ton of points. Um, they're you know I, I wouldn't say they're one of the the top three or four defenses in the league or anything like that. But they are a, a better than league average defense. I feel like. Where do you feel like there may be some susceptibility uh, for the Cowboys to to take advantage of of this matchup though? Because I, I feel like one of the areas that would be good to see is if early on Dak Prescott can can put pressure on this Colts team by by putting up some points, forcing them to get away from Jonathan Taylor, and forcing Matt Ryan to have to beat you through the air with Alec Pierce and and Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman and guys like that. Well, when you look at the, the Colts defense, you know, the numbers say it is, you know, uh, one of the better defenses in the league, but the problem that they run into is they're in, they're in a lot of games where they trail. And, you know, if you look at the Colts, it's just an example in the second half of their games this year, they've only had 50 snaps where they've had a lead. That's mm-hmm. it. And they've played 12 games. They, they've only got, they've got, <laughs> they've only had 50 snaps all year long. And that's only ahead of the Houston Texans uh, as far as uh, that number. And the, the Colts, what happens is, you know, teams don't throw the ball against them because they're always behind, you know, yeah. I mean, teams are, I mean, the, what you're trying to run the clock out, the Colts face like, and here are numbers for you. The Colts just face about 30 pass attempts per game because they trail in so many games. Mm-hmm. So their pass defense is really, really, really good, but nobody throws the ball on them, you know, but they, they're in a situation though, when teams do throw the ball on them, Teams complete like 69% of their passes. That's 29th in the league. They play a ton of zone coverage. They give up like almost seven yards an attempt. That's like 12th best in the league. 10 yards per completion. That's fifth in the league. And then only a touchdown rate of around 4%, which is 10th in the league. So, you know, you, you see sometimes by playing behind, teams will say, well, not we're not going to throw the ball on them because we're just trying to run it out. You know, and if you look at the rushing numbers, the rushing numbers, I don't think are as good as what their pass numbers are or pass defense. So, yeah, this is this is a this is a tough game. You know, when you look at the Colts, because, you know, they're they're in a situation where they they just don't ever have a lead and they don't ever get to use their defense to their advantage. And, you know, when the Cowboys get the situation, I mean, with Dak Prescott, and here I am killing you with numbers, but like you know, <laughs> hey, you look numbers at, are good. Numbers are good. But since you know the Cowboys have been fifty-seven percent with on third down since Dak Prescott's come back in Week Seven, that's the highest rate in the league. You know, yeah. and so the Colts are going to have to deal with that. And the Cowboys are a really good balanced team. You know, so me personally, I kind of feel like you can throw the ball because I watch you know Gilmore. And those guys, I, I think you got to you know, step on Gilmore. I think you have to attack him in this game. The three games that I watched, 
teams were making plays on him. This is not the player that we saw that was that shutdown guy right. in, in New England. So if I'm the Cowboys, by all means, I'm throwing the ball on these guys. I'm going to protect. I'm going to try and find a way. They're a four-man rush. They don't like the blitz. Ngakwe is like their best player when it comes to the rush. Find a way to block him. Find a way to take care of uh, Buckner inside. And, you know, kind of work from there and then make these plays, uh, you know, in their secondary. I, I I think the Cowboys are more than capable of doing that. And the more you do that, the more you score, that puts the most pressure. Because, again, here's numbers for you again. The Cowboys are the first in, in the NFL in points per drive at, at three, at, you know, at three, at three points per drive. Since Dak returned again, week seven again. The Colts are 31st per points per drive offensively at four. 1.4. That's 31st in the league. So you see where I'm getting at. And that's yeah. since week seven. Dallas continues to score points. Colts can't score points. And that puts a lot of pressure on their offense. You know, it's funny. You you talk about challenging through the air. And there's a couple corners there that I, I think, you know, are, are familiar names for NFL fans. You mentioned Stefan Gilmore. Kenny Moore is another one that some fans would be familiar with. But the guy that I uh, like was kind of impressed with there in their secondary action was Isaiah Rogers. He looks like a pretty good little corner. Like, like I, I think that I'd, I think you're right. I think I'd try testing guys like Kenny Moore and Stefan Gilmore uh, before I throw the direction of uh, Isaiah Rogers. But yeah, you know they, they've got, they're not a, a a bad football team in terms of talent. Like that's the interesting thing about this team, Brian. When I watch them, is that I don't feel like they're just this complete talent deficit. I think they've got decent players uh, across the board. What what's your your best reasoning you think for the struggles that this team has, does it just come back to, they've never been able to figure out how to replace Andrew Luck. I mean, is that honestly what it comes down to? They don't have a quarterback and it puts them in bad situations where they fall down. And then the defense has pressure on them because it feels like they've got a decent roster. It doesn't feel like a bottom of the league roster to me when I watch them. No. And you know, I've, I've always had a lot of respect for Chris Ballard, who is the general manager there. But they have chased this quarterback thing uh, for, it feels like, forever. When you look at, and, you know, the veteran quarterbacks, and, you know, they had Carson Wentz last year. You know, basically Jim Ursay said, if you don't get rid of Carson Wentz, I'm going to get rid of you, Chris. I'm going to get rid of you, Frank. Well, he got rid of one of the guys is what he did. But I, I, I feel like this team has just chased you know, they've been chasing these problems uh, with this quarterback. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where they, you know, the turnovers are a huge problem in yeah. these games. I mean, you, you go down, it seems like that every game they have multiple turnovers. They had, they had three turnovers against Jacksonville in week two, lost the game. Had three turnovers against Tennessee, uh, in a game that was played in a week four, uh, had three turnovers in a loss, another loss to Tennessee in week seven. You know, had two turnovers against the Commanders in week eight, lost the game. They, they, they're going to turn the ball over. That they've only had one game where they didn't turn the ball over offensively, and that was against Jacksonville in week six. So they turn over the ball. They 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 don't they don't get first downs along the way. You watch their. I mean, they've had games where like they've had nine. They've had nine first downs in a game. 
They've had 17 first downs a game, 15 first downs, eight first downs, 14 third first downs in a game. They just don't sustain the ball. They don't yeah. they don't finish drives. You know, that that's a big, big problem for them. They turn it over. They're not good at getting first downs, and and the offense struggles uh, uh, scoring points. Would you anticipate? I, I mean, obviously, we we've seen Matt Ryan's struggles and everything else, but last year we saw in particular Dan Quinn seemed to have a real good beat on that guy, uh, which makes a lot of sense. He was in the same building with him for a long time. Would you anticipate him being able to come out and and have him figured out, or do you think that was more just an advantage he had over Atlanta as a whole coming out of that building the year before? I think he's got. I think he has an understanding of how he wants to attack Matt Ryan in this game. The problem is, I don't think Matt Ryan is going to let you attack him in this game. I think this is the ball is going to come out quick. I don't know how much pressure you're going to be able to generate. You know, when you get around Matt Ryan, he's run for uh, some first downs here. He's not the most mobile quarterback, but that ball is going to come out so quick. So to me, what's going to be really key in this game is rush and then elevate. Rush and elevate because if ball's coming out, he'll throw the ball at a trajectory that will throw it low enough that balls will get tipped in the air. So that's where you got to be very mindful. If you're not going to get home, get the hands up quick because he's going to throw the ball on the line and he's going to get it out quick. You know, whether it's to these wide receivers we talked about or to the, uh, to the tight end, you know, that's kind of his, his thing now. So I, I, I would, I would anticipate him, you know, Going in, how much pressure can you get on him? Can you get the ball? Can you get him to hold the ball? Like 70. Here's another number for you. I'm full you're, of numbers. You're full of numbers today. You I'm full really of I, 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 I just I was just looking and like 79% of their passes are under 10 yards. Routes are under 10 yards. You know, that, that's where they're at right now. Yeah. That's I mean, can you find a way to take away these with Pittman and Pierce, these big body guys and, you know, and the tight end, you know, can you find a way to, to take away, you know, that, Woods and yeah. yeah, yeah. And Woods, I mean, you know, you know, that's a big guy to have to deal with and have to cover, but I, you know, the ball is going to come out quick. You just got to get hands up, be ready to drive on the ball. Me personally, I would try and take Pittman out of the game with Diggs. And I would put yeah. basically 10 guys in the box and say, let's try and see if you can run the ball against that. I don't think that's a, a bad idea. By the way, Jelani Woods, a guy the Cowboys had a lot of interest in uh, before sure the draft this year. They ended up with Jake Ferguson, though. I don't think they're too disappointed with that. Nah. Uh, you're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. Uh, we will all be from 105.3 The Fan, not just the Love of the Star team, myself and Brian Broaddus, but everybody from 105.3 The Fan, our, our flagship here in Dallas, will be at Boomer Jacks in Arlington on Saturday, December 3rd. Cannot wait to see you guys. And I can't wait for you guys to try these wings that I've been telling you about. 
they, they won't have any deals on the wings that day, but you'll get to try these great wings that then you can get great deals on Tuesday and Wednesday. Because Tuesday, it's half-price bone-in uh, bone wings. Wednesday, it's half-price boneless wings. But they got great deals for you on other things just about every other day of the week. And and they've got incredible TV set up, wall-to-wall TVs, literally. It's almost like the walls are plastered with televisions. You don't see hardly any open space on the walls at Boomer Jack's. Ice-cold beer, the coldest beer anywhere around. $3 drink specials, $15 buckets of beer. It's just a wonderful atmosphere at Boomer Jack's. Come on out and see them. 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. Now, Brian, uh, let's take a look at some of these we just talked a lot about the issues that the Colts have. Uh, let's take a look more closely at the issues that the Cowboys have, which the number one issue everybody wants to talk about right now is penalties. Uh, it's been a big discussion point all this week after the Cowboys had a, a really rough showing in terms of their penalty count against the Giants. Uh, it was 13, I think it was. Uh, j- just rough day, rough day for Tyler Smith. Uh, you know, you had false starts, holding calls. It, it was just a, a tough day overall for the Cowboys in the penalty department. I, I thought it was interesting this week uh, with a lot of the discussion that's gone on. Mike McCarthy said something on Monday that I'm curious for your thoughts on, because I feel like this has applied to a couple different guys. And 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 I think this is a valid, I don't think this is scapegoat. I think this is a valid thought process, which is, while there are a lot of penalties that you want to coach out of this team, I I do agree with Mike McCarthy when he says you want to be a little careful about some of the things you're you're teaching when you're trying to coach these penalties out. You don't want to teach a guy to not be like 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 not be the player that he is. Coach that aggression out of him, uh, for instance. Like if you're talking about a really aggressive player like a Tyler Smith or a Sam Williams, for instance. There are ways to teach that and try and rectify that. But at the same time, you don't want to, in the process of doing that, change who they are as players and their approach to the game and and, and, and end out accidentally uh, coaching some of their natural aggressiveness out of them. Do you think that that's a, a valid concern for this Cowboys coaching staff as they look for ways to fix the penalties? Is, look, you got to fix the penalties, but there needs to be kind of an even-hand approach to this to make sure you're not coaching out some of the characteristics and the traits of these guys that make them good football players it happened to micah parsons in the minnesota game remember when Kirk cousins goes back in the pocket and and micah thinks the ball's gone and he and he like stops like he thinks the ball's gone why why you stop because you think you're going to hit the guy you know so or you're going to fall on him and get the uh the the roughing penalty uh me personally i understand where mike mccarthy's talking about i don't think the penalties are going to change for this football team I, no. I really, really don't. Uh, now, can the pre-snap penalties change? Can the lining up off sides? Can the illegal motion penalties? Uh, I still feel like they're going to get holding penalties. They got a rookie left tackle. They've got a guy at right tackle that doesn't always play with power. You know, you got a left guard that sometimes on the backside of a trail as a scoop, he's going to tackle a guy because he's a step behind. You know, you're going to get defensive backs that on an interception are going to hold a guy like Diggs, you know. You're going to get that. You're going to get those penalties. There are penalties that that they're just not going to get away from. You know, I just every time it's a third down and they get a stop and we're at the game, I look on the field like, okay, where's the penalty? Where's Where's the defensive holding penalty? Where's the illegal contact penalty? Where's the hands to the face penalty? You know that I, I feel like with this group, it always happens that way. 
You know, okay, big run. Oh, where's the holding penalty on on uh, on Ferguson here? Where's right. the where's the illegal use of hands penalty? Uh, you know, uh, uh, on a, a hinder shot or something. I mean, you just you know, those are the kinds of things. I just think that I I think you're going to have to live with. I know it sounds terrible to say that, and it's probably not going to be any better this weekend with Carl Sheffers as your referee. This is one of the top five penalized referees in the league. You know, he's really, he's, he's, he's big on, he's, uh, he's really, really big on offensive holding. He's big on unnecessary roughness. He's big on defensive pass interference. And he's also big on offensive pass interference. That's not a guy that lets you play, you know, and not at all. So those are the kinds of things. I mean, the Cowboys, all those things, offensive holding, Unnecessary roughness. How many unnecessary roughness penalties have we seen this year from the Cowboys? Guys yeah, like Sam, Sam Williams. Yeah, yeah, Sam Williams. Guys like that kind of lose their cool. Guys, uh, uh, Wilson bumps a quarterback out of bounds, bumps a wide receiver out of bounds that's already out. You know, uh, defensive pass interference. We've seen that with, uh, you know, in the in the hit in the past with uh, with Anthony Brown. So yeah. I I I I just don't think this. We, it's something they continue to talk about. They have officials there. They work on it. They bring officials. They submit information to the league. They know who these officials are, and they still get these penalties. So I, my hope, Bobby, right now, my hope is that they don't have a game that gets that costs them because of one of these types of, like, these penalties where the offensive holding unnecessary – Unnecessary, you know, uh, roughness penalties, running in, you know, some kind of crazy running into the kicker, you know, some penalty that gives somebody a first down, uh, you know, and keeps a drive going and allows them to win a game. Here, it's interesting. So, and I think those are all really good points. And I agree with you that you're not going to fix the penalty. You're not. You're not. You're not going to. So, here's the interesting thing. I think when you talk to people, you know, with the Cowboys, I, I think there's a thought in there that look, probably right, probably not going to be able to just fix being a a heavily penalized team. But what you can fix potentially is make sure you're focused on fixing the third down penalties, or make sure you're fixing the red zone penalties, or or aspects like that. Is that a more attainable goal, do you think, for this coaching staff? If they go, look, we're not going to fix this as a whole, but maybe we can do better to make sure we're, you know, we first and 10 false start. Yeah, it's not fun to be in first and 15, but we trust our offense. We trust our guys are going to be able to get us out of that. It's a lot more difficult when it's third and seven, you hand off the ball and you get a holding penalty that puts you back to third and 17 or something. Is it at least a more attainable, realistic goal, you think, if they drill down on, let's try and eliminate penalties in these scenarios, even if we can't eliminate them all? The, the pre-snap penalties are, you know, you get guys that get anxious and whether that's the tight ends, the tackles, you know, those guys get a little anxious. The ball's going away. They're trying to make the backside blocks or the ball's coming to their side. They're trying to get the blocks, get off the ball, get into their guys. You know, we've seen a guy line up off sides that was crucial in a game uh, in, in, against Green Bay. You know, I yeah, you could you could talk about that. But these officials, like it's, you get tired, you get late in a drive. It's the thirteenth play of a of a drive. You get a little sloppy with your technique. 
instead of like keep your hands inside, hands go outside the framework. Now you yeah. have a 20-yard run that's called back because you got off the ball, hands went outside the framework, and you because you were sloppy, because you were tired and you don't you didn't want to do it. So I I think the easiest ones to correct are the pre-snap ones. And they'll say, okay, we can live with the aggressive penalties, but you don't live with the aggressive penalties if all of a sudden you're like you get a 25-yard pass to CeeDee Lamb and then you get called for hands to the face. Yeah. I mean, you can't have that. You know, you got to have better body control. You got to have better balance. And there's at times where you do, you're just kind of like, okay, they got lucky on that one. Didn't get a didn't get a flag. So I I don't think anything's things will change as I've said before, but they should they could sure talk about them. Do you do you buy the the talking point that's come out of the star this week that they they believe a lot of the pre-snap penalties and things like that can be traced back to uh, the cadence adjustment in recent weeks with Dak being back in the lineup as opposed to Cooper Rush. Do you think that's a valid reason for some of these penalties, which is what they've been discussing this week? Yeah, it sounds like a it sounds like the Dak Pre- I mean Dak Prescott has all those reps in training camp. All those, you know, I mean, yeah, he got knocked out the first game, but he came back in week seven. We're in week 13, right? You know? Yes, but they have gone silent on the road. Yeah. So so home games, they, they've done. So this is the first home game they've played with Dak in, in you know, three weeks. And then they yeah. had a lot of pre-snap penalties. Yeah. I if, if that's something that makes them feel better about jumping off sides, then by all means, go with it. I'm sorry. Do you think that's at least? I said, do you think that's at least if that's what you can go with as a, as a means to address it? Do you think that's scapegoating the issue at all, or do you think that could be a legitimate reason for that? It could be legitimate. I, I'm sorry, I lost you there for a moment. Yeah, and, no, no, you're good. And uh, so, yeah, I, I I don't know how you you can talk about cadence and all that, and I don't think it's scapegoat. I say it, but I, I also know that you you. You, know, you get to the line, you get tired, you get, you get, you know, you get to a point where you're not concentrating. You know, that's when you need to be your absolute best when you get down to, you know, when you're driving the football. And, you know, they got the situation where it's third and 15 because of a penalty the other day, but they, they managed to get a touchdown out of it. But that's just end of the drive concentration or lack of it. Yeah, you got to, you know, maybe Dak has to remind him a little more of like, okay, guys, hey, hold your water here. I'm going to go for a hard count. I'm going to try and draw him off sides. I'm going to try and do this or that. Or, hey, make sure you line your ass up on sides. You know, get out there. When you come across, make sure, you know, just simple. Maybe it's simple as Dak reminding them before the play when they get in the huddle, hey, this is, we're going bunch formation. Make sure you guys are on the line. You know, those kinds of things. Maybe that's what it's going to take. To, to kind of get these guys going again on that. Jerry Jones told us on 105 through the fan on Tuesday, uh, you know, we, we had asked him the question we've all been discussing here. Sean Cherie said to him, do you just reach a point where you say, this is probably something we're always going to have to deal with. And he pretty forcefully said no, and then said no again, and then laid out why the, the, it's not an acceptable standard. And Steven said the same thing. I think they probably will under have an understanding that it's not realistic that it's going to be fixed, but of course they've got to hold up that standard. They've still got to demand that standard, even if they don't 
believe that it's realistic. But having sat in some of these like Monday morning meetings with Jerry, like you have, do you think he's going into these meetings and and that's something that he's asking of them is like, what are y'all doing about this? Yeah, no, I think he absolutely is. Or I think they're telling him what's going on. Six penalties is better than 13. You know, however you can eliminate the four or five motion penalties, lining up offsides, you know, uh, you know, uh, legal contacts, whatever, whatever penalties you can. They are, they are, it's, it's hard, Bobby, because he's, he's emphatic about no, 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 but they've been no, no, no for a while now. They still continue, they still continue. They talk about it. All the time. Mike McCarthy talks about knowing the officials and talking about what penalties are called and stuff. They still get called for penalties. Would you, know? you would you get would you guess Jerry is as forceful in those Monday meetings with Mike he's, McCarthy as he is with us? Yeah, he's trying to will it. He's trying to will that like if I talk about this, we're not gonna get him. If I put my foot down, we're not well. Okay, I but, but you but you think he's demanding? You would guess he's probably still trying to demand. Yeah, the he's asking privately. Mike McCarthy came to the podium last week, and it was a nice win. What was the first thing he was talking about? He was talking about the penalties. Yeah, talking about the penalties. Too many penalties. Too many penalties. Too many penalties. He was talking about that. And then what happens when they lose a game? Officials, officials, officials. You know, that's that's it's a common theme with these guys. You know, they talk about it. They talk about it. Nothing's done. I don't see any change. And that's why when I want to I want to say, oh, no, Jerry's right. There's going to be change. We talk about it every week. It's a common theme. They can't get this right right now. My Again, I'll say this one last time. My only hope is it's not a penalty that costs them a football game. That's my only hope. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, we're about to go to our listener mailbag. Before we do that, I need to say thank you once again to our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I keep telling you guys about it. You need to go check it out on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Tuesday, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, but they've got good deals for you set up the rest of the week as well, including $3 drink specials and $15 buckets of beer. It is the coldest beer around. You are you are Gonna, you're going to be thanking me when you drink that beer and see how ice cold it is. Uh, they've also got wall-to-wall TVs, live music, just a wonderful atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, whether it's happy hour with the coworkers, a place to watch the game with your buddies, or or somewhere, honestly, to just have you know dinner with your family. Uh, we, we had a listener text us earlier tonight and say that he was in town and uh, for the game and, and is taking his wife to Boomer Jackson Plano. And uh, we appreciate so much how much you guys are enjoying Boomer Jacks just like us. There's 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, let's uh, transition now to our favorite part of the show. It is our listener mailbag, uh, where we turn things over to our dear listeners for their questions and let them dictate the topics a little bit. First question here uh, from Russell Mabin. He says, if we are operating offensively better with more tight ends on the field, which we talked about that the other day, 13 personnel has been very effective for the Cowboys this year, then why not let someone else overpay for an older injured wide receiver that takes a tight end off the field? Brian, is there uh, some logic to that? If you've had success with tight ends, why why bother going out for a receiver? Or do you look at it from the opposite end and go, the fact that you have to have 13 personnel to have 
the sort of success you want on offense means you need to upgrade your receivers. Well, I first off, I'll go on record as saying I've gone from say 60% to 75% to 50-50 on Odell Beckham being Come here. on, bro. You're killing me. I need I need I need Odell Beckham here. Just just well, get on board with me, man. Well, if 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 they don't get the type of physical that they need, I don't know if they can I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe this will be medical. I, I my belief is this is going to be medical more than money. If, yeah. if he if he's healthy and he tells them I can play right now, I think they'll pay it. Yeah. Well, but also though, I'm talking to teams around the league, like why wouldn't you why would, you know, most of these big time free agents and it's a knee or an injury, you know, if it's the off season, yeah, you might get a workout, but during the season I don't know. Yeah. This is something I didn't even think about. You know, if you're a team that's interested in Odell Beckham, you might have to turn away and just say, knee looks fine, we're going to sign him. Whereas somebody could bring him in and work him out and say, he's two weeks away. He's three weeks away. He's four. If it got to the point where he was four weeks away from being ready to really play, is that worth it to you in the Dallas Cowboys? It's a good question. Uh, I mean, what what I, I look, I think what the Cowboys want Odell Beckham for is Philadelphia in the playoffs. I think they want him Philadelphia, Tennessee, those last couple games of the season. And those they three, want three tough games. Three tough games. I mean, you're gonna play against three likely playoff teams, you know, when you talk about that. You know, Philly, uh Tennessee or Tennessee or yeah. Tennessee, Philly. Is it Tennessee, Philly, or is it Philly, it, Tennessee? It goes Philly, Tennessee, Washington. Right, yeah, Philly, Tennessee, Washington. You, yep. Those are going to be three three really, really tough games. You're dealing with all these AFC South games right now. Wait till you get to those, that that <laughs> that that stretch that we were just talking about. I'm with you. I'd like Odell Beckham to be here because I feel like on that fourth and three against Green Bay that he finds a way to go make a play, that he can separate and get open and make somebody pay for lack of coverage. So to me, I'd love to have Odell Beckham here. The thing I now worry about is the more that people tell me, and not so much from the Cowboys, but are you going to have a great understanding about his knee and when he will be ready to play? That's We can all say he's clear and ready to go, but somebody's going to have to make a determination over there at the Cowboys and are they going to be able, is this Jerry making the determination like, I don't care what you say, Jim Maurer and Britt Brown, we're signing Odell Beckham. It's your job to get him on the field and get him ready to go. I know you've told us before about uh, being on a team and the the having a fear of a medical and passing on a guy that it bit you with Larry yeah. Allen. Larry have Allen. You ever, have you ever had the reverse where you were on a team that had a concern about a medical you guys said, screw it, let's jump in and do it, and then it bit you, and 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 the injury came back to hit you. Well, Bill Parcells did it with Marco Rivera, if you remember the guard from the Packers yes. yeah. way back. He gave Marco Rivera like $9 million. Marco Rivera had a bad back. We all knew that. I knew that coming out of Green Bay. But he said, Bill, Bill's like, no, no, we Marco Rivera, we got to sign him. Well, we signed Marco Rivera. What happens? Marco Rivera never plays because he had a bad back. Got hurt on a treadmill, bad back. You know, those are the kinds of things that you, you know, let's go ahead and sign him. Let's go ahead and do this. Let's go ahead and do that. You know, there, there's that was, I, I've, I've lived that one before. I, I just, like I said, I did not think about 
bringing Odell Beckham in and, and really getting a good workout out of him to kind of figure out how far that knee is. Somebody is going to, whoever signs him, probably is going to have turned a blind eye to a complete physical on him or where a physical where you can go and work him out and see how, he can, how he's really moving. Is that a case where you think maybe a – a player that or a team that ends out working out a deal, whether it's the Cowboys or somebody else is probably going to have to be somebody who feels they have a good trusting relationship with the agent. Yeah. I think is, so. is that, that going to be a heavy factor you think in, in this case, because if that's the well, case, it should be pointed out that Von Miller and Odell Beckham say, share the same agent. Yeah. See, that's the thing about it is too. You're in a situation where, uh, you know, with, with Jerry, is adamant, and and the thing that's interesting, Bob, that and with uh, the lady uh, Anderson that was on with you to Christina this Anderson, morning, yeah, Christina Anderson who was on with you guys this morning, the thing that she said uh, to you was if he plays, that and she is she is very well connected to Odell Beckham. If you know, and and we've we've seen we've seen this whole thing. There might come a point in time like Jerry Jones is adamant. It has to be this year. It yep. has to be this year. And if Odell Beckham is in a situation like, well, I might not, I, you know, I might see, I don't want to maybe, if you get any of that, by you don't, don't, don't push the issue. Don't push the issue there. I mean, you should make it about this year if you can. And I think the Cowboys are trying to do that. Next question here from at RGZNBA. Uh, this time last year, the Cowboys started to have problems running the ball. Right now, they're running it very well. What difference are you seeing? Is it simply that the offensive line is just run blocking better, or is there more to it? The run blocking, actually, I don't even know that it was around this time last year. I felt like the running game started struggling pretty close to, like, even before Dak Prescott got hurt. Um, I, I think part of what you're seeing is Connor McGovern's playing better than he did when he had to step in and play last year. I think Terrence right. Steele has become an elite run blocker. Uh, Tyler Biotis has improved. So the offensive line is playing better, but also Ezekiel Elliott's healthier right now. Yep. I mean, he yep. wasn't a couple weeks ago, but I think you saw what, what health can do to help Ezekiel Elliott. When you saw him on Thanksgiving on three days rest and he still looked incredibly fresh, I think that speaks to the importance of making sure that knee is right and, and speaks to how honestly poorly I think they played it last year. Well, he probably helped in, in how they played it poorly because he didn't he, want to come, up, is, come off is, the field. He's, he's a terrible. Very, he's very Jason Witten-like in demanding you know, I, that he stays on the field. Des Bryant, same yes. thing. Des Bryant, I'll cut off my damn finger to go play a game. I mean, that's, you know, these guys don't want to leave the field. And I think, I think, I think that, I think there's a couple things with the running game. You mentioned there's a really good combination between Steele and Martin and yep. what they've been able to do there. They've got young tight ends that can block. Even Schultz has blocked at the point of attack well enough to give them some opportunity. And this team has shown a willingness to give the ball on a consistent basis to Tony Pollard. Not just six times a game, 18 yep. times a game, 20 times a game. There's more of a willingness. So now, when's the last time I, I still need to look this up? When's the last time that Tony Pollard had more carries than Zeke in a game? I, I don't think one you time. Yeah. was it, it was, one time? It was this past week. Yep. That's it. So that's, that's it. what I'm saying. That's the only time. And that, that's why the running game has gotten better because you have two backs 
an offensive line and a group of tight ends that are doing a really, really good job uh, blocking up front. Next question here from Garrett. He says, am I crazy or is this the Anthony Brown we've always seen besides last year? I think last year was an anomaly. Um, no, I, I think he's playing worse right now than he has throughout his career. I, I, I think that he's he's not a black hole, but man, he's he's getting burned in ways that I don't think we've seen in the past. Um, I know he's always been an easy one to pick on for fans, um, but I think overall he's been a very solid corner for you. And last year he was he was a a, a really really good corner. I think this year I think he's just wildly inconsistent I, I know we've talked about this and i hate wildly speculating like this it it almost seems like a guy who is hurt or something like like it's yeah. it, it's just it's so outside the norm and and outside the, the, what we've come to expect from him as a player he doesn't look like he has any quickness to him like there's separation in his he, game he's the, he's the fastest like like guys i know with, i know guys, i know they, they would tell you he's the fastest guy on the team like they're one of them and, and he just it's not there. Yeah, when 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 guys are running past him and he's not catching up, there's something wrong there. I think there's a little bit too, maybe some confidence issues as well. I I said this before, I'll say it again. I was really, really, really wrong about him. I thought he was going to have a huge season, a breakout season, uh, a season that, like, you know, hey, we talk about Diggs. Teams are grateful because Diggs is playing so well you know, in, in pass defense that it, that throwing at Brown has given them an avenue where they don't have to attack Diggs. Right. You know, that's given them an avenue. They're like, listen, we don't have to throw the ball at Diggs. We'll throw it at this other guy, you know, and that's where before he was making plays. Now he's not making as many. You know what? And it's, it's, it's not just, uh, see, this is the other reason why I think you got to say there's something wrong with an injury or something. We were out there at Oxnard. He was the most consistent player on the field, offense yeah. or defense. He was good every day we were out there and then made plays every day we were out there. So it's just, it's, it's very bizarre here. Uh, last question. Uh, I'm going to uh, finish with another question from Garrett here because uh, I think this is an interesting question. And I, I'm interested here. You're going to make you're... everybody mad. You're going to make no, people I'm not. mad. I, I, you better I'm... go to another question, people. You know the question? I'm no. going to ask it. I'm going to ask it because I think I, I'm going to be. I, I I think I know what your answer is going to be, and it's wildly no. different from what it would have been three months ago. Who's the most important free agent to retain for the Cowboys at the end of the year? Donovan Wilson, Tony Pollard, or Terrence Steele? Very Terrence Steele. That's it. Well, Tony now, Pollard, Terrence Steele's restricted. Me, You've got some control over Terrence Steele. Let but, me tell you this. Pollard, though, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, again, I start uh, being Thursday night here. I start my draft prep. Uh, December 1st is always my day to get started on this. So when I get done from here, I'm going to grab some dinner and I'm going to start on my draft prep. I'm interested to see all these running backs in this draft. I'll tell you what, it's hard to find them offensive tackles, though. And this guy, uh, three months ago, I would have never, ever, ever, ever said that. That kid right there at right tackle, uh, I, I threw a lot of dirt on him. I threw a lot of dirt. And if he if he says, hey, I, I want nothing to do with you, Brian Broaddus, I would say, you know what? You're absolutely right. But I kind of feel like that I, you know, having him at right tackle, he's he's developed. They they're developing an offensive lineman there. Yeah. You know, that uh, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be the strongest guy, but when how he plays uh is not uh not killing you. Now, week one against Tampa, there looked like some issues there. 
But you want to say since that week one game, he's been pretty damn good for you. Yeah, just about everybody on your team had issues in week one against Tampa. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we're going to write it off to I that. I still like Tony Pollard a lot, by the way. Yeah, he's he's a really – I like all three of those players. Donovan yeah. Wilson, Tony Pollard, Donovan, Dan Terrence. Yeah, so, okay, now uh, my last question for you, who are you starting with tonight? Do you have players in mind you're going to start with? Yeah, I think what I'm going to do is uh, I'm actually – I I used to do it where I didn't do quarterbacks, and uh, I'm very fortunate. Uh, my relationship with Dane Brugler – uh, uh, like, you know, his top 100 list that he's got and stuff. I don't even know if he's put that out yet, but Ooh. he and I have talked about it. And so, uh, we were visiting about it. So he gave me some names to start with. And so I think Will Anderson, the defensive he's end very good. from Alabama will be my very first player to take a peek at tonight. If you're going to look at edge rushers, I will say, yeah, if you've got Will Anderson, if you have time to work in Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, uh, I think you'll like him too because he's yeah. he's a good football player. Oh, I got I got a, I got a, I got a list. I got a list I, of guys. I, I, I think Dane, got, Dane is always Dane and I are close, so we, we're 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 good here. We're good. I think you've got USC's full season coming in tomorrow. By the way, the offense. Oh. So, there we go. We'll, we'll see. We we'll go. see. I, I've I've got to work on some trade stuff, but but we'll see. I think yeah, gotta... Bobby. By the way, you're not doing enough. Okay, you know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I, yes, sir. I will. I will get on that. Uh, thank you so much to you guys for listening. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Come out on Saturday, Boomer Jacks. Uh, go to my Twitter. I'll be I'll be tweeting about it. I'll pin the the tweet. But we'll be at Boomer Jacks in Arlington. Uh, I believe it's in Highland. What do they call it? Highland Village Center or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's, it's really nice from what I understand. But yeah, should be a great time. Come out and see us. We got round tables. Talk a little. Maybe we'll have a, uh, some I'll have some draft thoughts, uh, cowboy thoughts. Uh, I'll be we'll I'll be I'll we'll be incredibly drunk. I'll be very drunk. It'll be great. You'll you'll enjoy it. It'll be a wonderful time. Uh, you can talk to to Brian about uh, football, and I'll I'll drunkenly talk to you about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, Until next time, we will talk to you guys later. Thanks so much for listening.